0: Welcome to The Creative Shift. My name is Dan Blank, author of the book Be the Gateway and founder of WeGrowMedia.com. Today I want to talk about a concept that how you share is a craft. In and of itself, the methods by which you share is a craft that you can hone and get better at, and that you should hone and get better at. If you're listening to this, chances are you are a writer or an illustrator or artist or a creator of some sort. What that means is that you have already embraced the concept of craft, this thing that you work on because you love it in some way and you try to hone it. You try to get better and better at it. And I've always thought of sharing as a craft as well. It's how we show up. It's how we listen. It's how we connect with other people. It's how we engage. It's how we celebrate others. It's how we communicate what drives us. And these things all blended together form aspects of our identity. So in the work I do, I work primarily with writers and creators, helping them share their work, whether it's a marketing plan or author platform or book launch, that sort of thing. I've often over the years heard someone say, as they approach that work, well, they're going to put on their marketing hat. And it's never seemed that way to me. It's never seemed like this special hat that you put on at very certain times You don't really like the fit of it. You're putting the hat on to signal to other people, everyone, I've got to do this obligatory marketing thing right now. Please excuse me for a minute. I will take off this hat in a minute. I've always felt that art and writing and creative work is complete when it is shared with and connects with another human being. That what makes art and creative work special is that blend between the intention of the person who created it meeting up with the worldview and life experience of the person who engages with it? Thus, how we share is a craft, and I think about this all the time. When I look around at a concert video or at a concert that I'm at, and I see fifty thousand fans who are crying and so excited, um. Or when I see people talking about books on TikTok or in a book review on Amazon, and they say, this book is everything. Or why, or when we listen to like an interview with a filmmaker, and where we talk to a performer or an actor about their process, we are thinking about this idea of, of sharing and of craft. And this week, what I've been thinking about in terms of this was the concept of whether someone views this craft of sharing as drudgery or opportunity. Are you doing it because you feel you have to do it, but you're kind of dismissive of it? So you're, oh yeah, you know, this is the obligatory post, uh, you know, telling you to pre-order my book, where you're kind of apologizing for it. Um... Do you pine for the days where sharing was somehow perceived as someone else's responsibility? You know, oh, back in the day, I miss when a publisher did all the marketing for you and a writer could just write. I miss that. Um, or are they looking to do the absolute minim- minimum amount of work in sharing, but somehow with the maximum potential payoff? Um... So again, I think of this idea of like, I like to think of metaphors with this, the idea of someone who is like negotiating with themselves as they stand at the very edge of a very, very high diving board. And they're sitting there kind of whispering to themselves, just take the step forward. Just do it once, get it over with, then it's done. You will never climb back up on this diving board again. Just do it. And that's how they think of this idea of sharing about what they create or marketing what they create or building a platform or, or what have you. And I've been thinking about this a lot in the context of the following. The last couple weeks, I've been reviewing my blog archives over on WeGrowMedia.com. And that has the last 13 years of my blogs and my weekly essays that I've written. Now this process for me started as routine website maintenance. I noticed that a lot of the images I used in the first four years of that blog, I put in a special folder and then connected them. Whereas really, I should move them firmly within WordPress. That way, every time I do a backup in WordPress, all the images get backed up as well. There's all the metadata, all that stuff. So I figured, you know what? Let me fix that. I want this to be clean. I want to know that it's always backed up. It's always updated. So in fixing this... The number of images I've got to fix is 1,000 images. So what that means is I'm going one by one through hundreds of blog posts, one by one, removing the old images, connecting it to the new image, uploading the new image, um, adding keywords, saving it, double checking it. I'm also tracking all of this on a spreadsheet. So I'm not just kind of doing it and then moving on to the next one. For every update, I am writing the blog post title, the blog post link, the URL for the original image file, and then the updated URL for the new image file. This way, I have a record of changes I've made over a thousand files. And as I'm going through it, because sometimes you get in this very rote pattern, if I'm realizing, oh, wait a minute, did I update this already or did I do it this way? I can just look back on the spreadsheet. I'm not having to now second guess or try to recreate something I did three days ago. And one thing I've thought about in this process is I'm not just taking a thousand actions fixing a thousand images. To update every image is like 10x the number of actions. You've got to. Click here. Click there. Copy this. Paste it here. Click that. Add this. Click that. Copy that. Paste that in. Double-check this. Reload that page. Confirm it. It's all these little steps times a thousand. At the moment, I'm at around image 500 or so. And during the process, I recognized something, which is that I was actually enjoying this work. And that surprised me a little bit. Um, As I've done this work, as I've been going through these archives from 2010, 2012, 2014, I'm noticing dozens and dozens of other small things that I can fix. Very simple things. Um, I put an old email address that I no longer use on a lot of old blog posts, so I sort of deleted that. Not to change the past, but because I don't want these posts coming up in search engine and someone saying, oh, let me reach out to Dan. And they're using an email address that I barely ever check anymore. Or some videos were missing. I have the videos in archives, but they were referenced on an old website or an old video server that I don't use anymore. So I'm updating those or in the middle of, or at the start of, or at the end of some blog posts, I'd be promoting a product or a webinar that either I don't sell anymore, or the webinar ended nine years ago. So I'm kind of archiving that, then kind of removing that. Just making it as clean as possible, making sure that you'll never go to an old blog post and see something that feels like it's broken. That's what I'm trying to fix. They're not trying to update them necessarily, just make sure it doesn't feel broken. So now my little spreadsheet has multiple tabs with multiple categories of things to fix. And as I go through the work, in some ways, the list only seems to get longer. So, of course, what I'm forced to consider is, what on earth is so enjoyable about this? And that's what brought me back to the concept of craft. The craft of how we share our writing, the craft of how we share what we create. And... I kind of outlined a few reasons why this process felt good to me. The first is it forces me to really revisit and get clear about my mission. I am someone that you could say, oh, what do you do, do Dan? And there's a way to say it that sounds like, well, I'm a consultant that helps people market their books. It's not really accurate, but that's one way someone could describe what I do. But that's not how I see what I do, even though that is one of the many things I do. I do this work because I deeply believe in the power of writing, and the power of art, and the power of creativity. That when people share what they create, the world is simply a better place for it. People not only understand other people because of it, but they tend to understand themselves better. And this is one of the many amazing powers of fiction, or memoir, or nonfiction, or film, or dance, and all these different things. Not just understanding something else. Through those media, we understand ourselves better somehow. It's like a magical thing. So for me, these blog archives of the last 13 plus years are my body of work meditating on that. Um, So attending to that body of work, making sure it's not broken, that feels good just as attending to any craft does. This is a process of curating and doing routine maintenance to things that matter to me. Next is I want my work to be useful and accessible. So cleaning up the archives means that if and when someone actually comes upon my website, whether it's through a Google search or they're just kind of going through the archives, that these archives are clear, they are organized, they're not filled with broken images, broken links, missing information. They are complete. And the last reason is that I feel these archives are valuable. They've been valuable enough for me to keep them up right now, and I'm thinking Had, 10 years from now, I still want them to exist. I still want to have a backup of them. So if I don't do the maintenance work now, then there's a chance those archives will not exist. It's like when you come upon a beautiful, beautiful old house or a beautiful old building, and you hear, oh, they're going to tear it down. And something in you just gets mad. How can they do that do they have no morals what about the past and upholding the blah 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 all this stuff and you dig into this i've done this many times in my life you dig into it and realize oh there was significant water damage and that significant water damage created mold and that mold created structural work and then you realize that this building as beautiful as it is was not treated with love over the years. It was not maintained in even the basic way. And that years and decades of neglect caused a situation whereby this building either could not be saved or to save it would have meant such such a high amount of work, not even just cost, that you essentially have to replace almost every piece of that building in order to kind of somehow, quote unquote, save that building. And of course, it's not the same thing at that point. So I've been thinking about this idea of honoring my creative work, and that is why I'm going through these thousands of steps to do that. Now, I've had some fun little discoveries along the way, where I've rediscovered essays that I totally forgot that I wrote. Um, There was one from 2011 talking about the value of backing up your creative work, and this is a quote from it. The greatest threat to what we create is ourselves, that we don't take basic measures to preserve what we create to ensure it will have a lasting legacy, either personally or publicly. I mean, that's exactly the work that I'm doing right here. And it's not even that I'm doing it because I feel like, oh, this is an important archive that generations will want to see in the future. No, I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking, yeah, I hope it's useful, but it's also my personal body of work, and I do think that it's worth my time to maintain it then there was another blog post from 2012 that aligns much even more to the message I'm talking about today. The title of it was called Is your work is your workday filled with unwanted obligation or a burning desire to improve? And one quote from that is this. If you're filled with a burning desire to improve, you will find fulfillment and opportunity. But if you view your craft as obligation, it will be a drudgery where you will find challenges and roadblocks where others find opportunity and serendipity. And I thought that this mindset shift was really critical. And I often think about the film, the documentary called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. It came out maybe, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. I've watched it quite a number of times. And it showcases um, a man named Jiro Ono, who has a 70-plus year history with making sushi. So today, as I record this, he is 97 years old, and his restaurant opened back in 1965. And the film highlights both the highs and the lows of devoting oneself to their craft. On the one hand, of course, there is the pursuit of excellence, and that can provide experiences that are both rare and beautiful. And the film does a wonderful job of meditating on the craft of sushi and the experience of that. On the other hand, it also focuses on the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of hours of repetitive work required to do each and every individual task well in a restaurant that this is decades of sacrifice that comes with devotion to craft. And I think it's easy to celebrate someone who's reached the pinnacle of their craft. In this case, it would be Jiro. But the wonderful thing that the film does is it also focuses on some of the workers in the kitchen who are just at the start of their careers or a few years into it and you know i'm thinking of one person from the film where they were still in that uncertain phase they're still struggling to to perfect various aspects of their craft and to me this is one of the many questions that the film asks why would someone want to spend their entire lives in a small kitchen in one restaurant that exists in the hallway of a subway station access tunnel repeating the same actions every day for decades. Perhaps you feel that your craft, what you create and how you share it, is drudgery at times. And that, of course, is totally valid. Recently, I've shared the revised Creative Success Pyramid, and this is the model, the system that I use to help writers move through a progression of sharing their work effectively and meaningfully. And I was talking with a writer recently who said something that really, really hit me. They said, well, what about the times that you feel crushed under the weight of the pyramid, as if all the blocks holding it up kind of crush you? And that really resonated, that when you have a step-by-step process of any sort, that at times it can feel like too much. You feel the presence of every step all at once, and it feels like an obligation. But I also thought that is why I believe in the power of having a plan and having a process around your craft, because that is, in a way, what a craft is. It is honing over time. And of course, you can take breaks. And it's this idea that the progression allows you to know where you are and what the next step is. And when you take these pauses or you think about that, you're not always falling right back to the start. You have gotten to a certain point. And it allows you to consider with great depth where you are going and where you want to go and the experiences and connections that you hope to have along the way. How you share is a craft. If you have any feedback or questions about this episode or any others, you can always reach me, dan, at wegrowmedia.com. And you can, as always, find me at wegrowmedia.com, on my weekly newsletter, danblank.substack.com, or on social media at Dan Thank you so much for listening until the end.